0: The Echo Chamber, brought to you by The Homes Report and produced by the International Broadcast Specialist, Marketeers. Sponsored by The Bullet Group, putting you in tomorrow's conversations today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Echo Chamber podcast. This is Arun Sudaman in Cannes, really happy to be joined by Kimberly West, who is the Global External Communications Director at Mars. Kimberly, welcome. Thanks,
1: great to be here, thanks for having me.
0: It's your first Can. Yes. Is that right?
1: Yes, I can.
0: Okay, Yes, and it's Wednesday.
1: It's Wednesday, it feels like Sunday.
0: Okay, how, how are you finding it? Are you surviving and thriving?
1: Yes, I think um, surviving, thriving, using a whole lot of SPF Right. A lot of cappuccinos, but really enjoying it. Um, uh, we made an announcement this week on the launch of the Global Alliance for Responsible Media, okay. um, which is a pretty huge deal involving Mars and and uh, 15 of the other world's largest advertisers in the social mm-hmm. platforms. And so it was a lot of, it was pretty fantastic to be a part of that news. It has mm-hmm. the potential to really radically transform digital safety and, and been here doing that and some other news.
0: Okay. Well, we'll talk about that alliance in, the, in a little bit. Um, Let's talk about Mars first because, you know, I've been covering this industry for a while. Mars was not what I would call the most high-profile company for many years. Uh, And in particular, it didn't really like to talk about itself from a corporate perspective. You know, it was really all about the products. Um, That seems to have changed. Is that true?
1: I think it's absolutely fair to say that things have changed. At Mars, I think, um, you know, Mars for many years, I mean, we're over 100 years old, but we've been known for our brands, mm-hmm. uh, our products and our services. Um, and even among those products and services, many people know and love Snickers and M&Ms in our mm-hmm. confectionery world. And many people don't know that we're also the world's biggest pet care company, mm-hmm. that we employ the most veterinarians globally. Um, and so there was a real recognition that to continue to make Mars an attractive place to work, to maintain and um, retain that talent, we had to begin telling our story. Mm-hmm. And I think in today's communications environment where everyone can write, it, if you don't tell your story, someone else will. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's been a real opportunity to step forward and take stands on issues that we care about. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mars, you know, although we were historically very comfortable flying below the radar, mm-hmm we had a really incredible set of values. It's our five principles that are kind of at the heart of everything that we do. And I'm a relatively new joiner to Mars and I can say that was very evident from the first day that I walked the door. Mm -hmm. And so um, it was just beginning to um, elevate all of the incredible action that's happening internally in our culture and tell our story externally. Mm
0: -hmm. And do you think that's been a difficult shift at all or, or challenging in any way because I would imagine going from a kind of state of mind where it's no comment to a lot of things to actually maybe we'll talk about supply chains and, and what we're doing to improve sustainability around the world. It's a, quite a shift.
1: I think you're right that it's quite a shift. I think um, you know, flipping the switch from an always no to an always yes is a huge undertaking from a communications uh, standpoint, it is also incredibly necessary because there is the expectation among our associate population, associates are our employees, among potential associates, among our consumers, among our customers, that we will have something to say. Mm-hmm. And so certainly there's education and work to be done internally to make sure that that's, that point is front and center, but I think you also have the recognition that, that um, making sure Mars is known and that the world sort of understands who we are and what we stand for, is is how we'll have to tell our story moving forward.
0: Mm. Okay. Um, so, how does it? What does it actually look like in terms of Mars's? You know, sort of new, let's call it the new purpose strategy. It's not really new, though. You've always had that purpose, but right. the I suppose decision to to make it more visible. Yes. What does that actually look like? What does it involve you doing?
1: Yeah. Um, and you're totally right. I think we wouldn't, I, I wouldn't ever say this is a new thing. It, it, you know, when we unveiled uh, in March of this year, our new visual identity, it was, it was after many months of work internally to make sure our associates were comfortable with purpose and the territory and understood the role they played in it before we went externally. Um, you know, this is for Mars very much an inside out. Approach to doing things and also really reflects who we are as a company. It is all about making sure associates are involved and are a part of what we intend to do. Um, the, our um, purpose is the uh, world we want tomorrow starts with how we do business today.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think when you share that purpose statement with the world, it's pretty clear that you see yourself as part of a, a broader fabric mm-hmm. and it, it does a lot of things for you. It invites associates to think on what that means for them individually and how they can contribute. It means consumers can begin to look and evaluate your brands against what they view as important. And of course, it also also opens you up to criticism. Mm. But I think that's also the real beauty in taking a stand and having something to say is just like when we pitch an op-ed, we know that there isn't a little bit of friction or potential criticism. It's not going to run. So we have a point of view and we're standing up to say something, um, you know, and from a communications perspective, it makes it even more fun to do our job because right. I think, you know, our our role in global external communications is to continue to build the Mars external reputation. And when we looked at what what, what our role, what in our role might shift with the introduction of purpose, it became really clear pretty, pretty early on that not a whole lot would change, but rather purpose would become the filter and the way through which we would tell our stories. Mm -hmm. So we talk a great deal externally about uh, Mars and our positive societal impact. We try to articulate why Mars is a great place to work. Mm -hmm. And then we also focus um, on how Mars is changing as a business. And so now purpose in this post-purpose world becomes, okay, so who among our associates are my spokespeople? you know, what are, what's the color or the proof points that I bring to life? And it is sort of that unifying thread that now runs through our storytelling that we had in the past, although it was a bit scattered, but now it's very focused.
0: So it, it's interesting because we, we just had this uh, little round table that you participated in um, with the comms heads from p and and Aflac. And I think it was, something, it was something you said, which I thought was really interesting. You said that brand activism is an antidote to purpose fatigue, um, yes. which is a really interesting way of looking at it because I kind of was looking at it previously as brand activism is the, like the logical conclusion almost <laughs> of, of purpose fatigue, but that's probably because I feel a lot of the brand activism we see at Cannes is, is maybe not as activist as it, it, it may position itself a bit as being. But coming back to your point... yeah. Do you think that purpose fatigue is is something that companies like yours have got to be aware of?
1: I think you have to think about it from the get-go. Yes, I think um, you have, or at least from our perspective, I can say we approach the opportunity to articulate our purpose story externally by also evaluating where the skeptics could be. Mm-hmm. And I try to approach it with as much skepticism as a reporter might approach it with, which is don't come to me. That's with, a lot. I'm yeah. right, I know I am, but I am a skeptic at heart. So <laughs> good. maybe it's the right field. You're, um, you're in the right place. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> uh, you know, and I think what we found was that Mars could own purpose because we've led with action first. Mm -hmm. and so purpose is merely an external articulation of how we've done our business for many many years and I think when you look at what we introduced in 2017 which was our sustainable in a generation plan which is a billion dollars earmarked to help Mars sort of move beyond incremental improvements in um, supply chain in climate change in nourishing well-being thriving people and creating a healthy planet that was a big moment
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it indicated action it it included with it ambitions but scientifically backed ambitions and since then we've reported on it so from a communication standpoint we have had the opportunity to lead with our actions yeah. and purpose and purpose follows
0: right and the risk i guess is that if you're not leading with your actions it just looks like purpose washing it it looks like something that's not authentic yes Okay, and do you see a lot of that around?
1: I think if you walk around can, I think, (laughs) you know, I I mean, I think if you're approaching it with that healthy dose of skepticism and you see something quite striking, yeah, the immediate next question among, Mm -hmm. um, you know, among sort of an educated um, consumer of of media would be, okay, so what does that mean, what Mm -hmm. now, and how is it relatable to me? Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, our associates. You know, know what's real and what's not. Yeah. Potential associates know what's real and what's not, mm-hmm. and I think consumers consumers crave it. I mean, and you have to maybe even think about your social media channels as a blessing and a curse. Mm-hmm. You know, the the blessing being that you see that um, the collective purpose antenna are up. Mm-hmm. You know, people are looking to make sure that your actions match sort of your communications, and it's um, particularly uh, spotlighted right now because of the fact that everything is available and transparent online.
0: Mm. Sure. Now, when it comes to actual brand activism, which we've heard a lot about this week in Cannes, do you feel that brands, and uh, this is maybe not a question about Mars specifically, but uh, from what I can see, brands are very happy being activists about things that everyone can agree on. Mm. And, I mean, is that real activism?
1: Is that real activism? It's a good question. I, I don't know that you could say it's real activism, right? Because if you're going to stand up for something, then you have to be comfortable with people disagreeing. Right.
0: There has to be a price.
1: That's right. You have to look at the risk, make an assessment, and decide either way. Mm. Um, I think that's, it's difficult as communicators to do that. I, it's interesting. I find it's easy to do it uh, when an issue pops up because mm. it forces a decision. It's much tougher. When something is lurking on the horizon or looming, to look at it and begin to weigh sort of the pros and cons of stepping out, but also mirroring that up with what matters to you as a business. Mm. Um, you know, when we, when Mars said um, we're still in on the Paris Climate Agreement, mm. that had the possibility yeah. of, of blowback, and yet Definitely. it was so fundamental to what the company believed. It was um, sort of such a part of the DNA mm. and the world that the family wants to see tomorrow that it. It was sure. like, bring on the criticism, but this is the right thing to do.
0: Sure. I mean, it's, it's interesting because when you look at the issues that many companies tackle, you know, I don't really see them tackling things like income inequality, tax policy, um, which are much tougher sure. issues. And, you know, frankly, for companies, it uh, would require a lot of not just talking, but actual work to do it. Yes, doing. Yes. I mean, does that, does that surprise you at all or not?
1: Does that surprise me? I, I mean, as a communicator, I would say no, because it requires assembling a whole lot of stakeholders at a table mm. and, um, and possibly a risk scorecard that doesn't really look balanced. Mm. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> but I think it's a necessity. I think you do. I, I, do, I think there is a real demand right. among consumers uh, that you're going to stand up and talk about issues sort of at, at our societal heart.
0: Right. Okay, interesting. Um, You've talked about your associates a lot. Yes. So your employees. Um, How important are they in terms of how Mars figures out what it's going to stand for or what it does stand for?
1: I think Mars approaches um, purpose and having a point of view from... uh, Making sure that starts. or Actually, let me let me say this a little bit differently. Mars approaches purpose and has approached how we articulate purpose externally from the inside out.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Meaning, um, you know, associates expressed a need to feel a greater connection to the organization. Mm-hmm. You know that that um, the sense of belonging within our segments and our markets was good, but they had a real craving to feel connected to a bigger organization. That was a prompt for purpose. Um, Similarly, now that purpose is really in place, and mind you, it was in place for quite a long time before we introduced it externally because we felt it was very important that associates um, understood it, found opportunities to live it, figure out how their individual contributions laddered up to it. Uh, Now that it's external, it's making sure that associates feel empowered to tell the story. I think it's 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 possible, but it's also making people come making sure people are comfortable yeah. and feel equipped to do that. So sure. it's bringing in the right infrastructure, it's articulating for them what the right stories, um, or I should say, what the focus of the stories are for Mars, um, and sort of reinforcing that it is it is the right time to do that.
0: Sure. Okay. So just to change tax a little bit, we we talked. Um, at, at the round table just now about uh, the client agency relationship. Yes. Uh, and you've worked, obviously you're in-house now. Um, you were at uh, one of the management consultancies. Uh, I was, was, was at Booz Allen doing Allen corporate Allen, doing communications, communications. Oh, yes. I always, I always get Booz Allen and BCG. Yes, Yeah. stuff, Which must horrify both <laughs> of them. It's uh, <laughs> fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, And you were at Fleischmann, though, before that. Yes. So you know both sides well. One of the things you said on the roundtable was you want your agency to push you. Yes. When you were at Fleischmann, did you really feel like your clients wanted to be pushed?
1: Oh, great question. did you
0: try to push them?
1: Uh, I would say yes. I had some really stellar clients, and we were dealing with some really meaty, um, challenging issues. Mm. And I I think that... um, Our clients um, wanted the strongest counselors, and they wanted uh, their PR teams to bring the holistic thinking, Mm -hmm. to bring the thinking that would help them spot trends, both good and bad, Mm -hmm. before they got to it. Um, And um, in our case at that point, at least when I was at Fleischmann it was beginning to untangle the thorny issue of how does PR become much more Mm data-driven. So all of those things, yeah. Mm -hmm push our clients on and now and now, yeah, now that I'm in my role, I expect the same
0: you do and it
1: may be mildly annoying, but right. I, for the most part, our team is really up up to the
0: task okay what happens if they push you and you're just you know <laughs> there, there's a risk there's a risk right for agencies to push clients I mean how do you advise them to handle that risk
1: um, well, I think and this goes back to the discussion we were just having um, uh, with Catherine from mm-hmm. Affleck, I think Catherine she, Blades. Yes, yep. yes. She made the point that bring me issues uh, that are solvable. Mm-hmm. So, so being pushed, knowing trends, knowing what's going on, what to touch, what not to touch, is all very good. But I think to close that loop, it's so. What can you do about it? Mm. And I think that's right. okay. that's sort of the the point where I can look at something and make a call if this is worth our time mm. or if you know what, it's great to know that this issue may be out there and I should be aware of it, but it's not sort of, you haven't answered the what's in it for me yet, Mm. in which case I need to put it aside.
0: Okay. And you asked the next question and our final question you just asked yourself, how does um, the PR industry get more data-driven?
1: Such a great question. Um, I love this topic. Um, Our team at Mars is like in this every day. How does the PR industry get more data-driven? I think in looking at the last few months, what we've noticed is that it's very, I don't want to say easy, but it's easier for us as an integrated in-house agency team along with our stakeholders to move quickly with data when an issue happens, mm-hmm. when something is breaking, because we need the data to drive our decisions.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It is much more difficult to act with data on an everyday basis. Mm-hmm. and so. For us, I think maybe as an industry, if we start to focus in on, okay, so how do I use data daily? Mm-hmm. How do I make it, how do I use it to optimize my content? How do I use it to understand what the world cares about on a day-to-day basis? That could be one of the ways that we continue down this long path of, of measurement. And I, I think it's really exciting. We have a mm-hmm. lot of opportunity. It, it makes us a more credible partner to our business stakeholders. Um, and it, I think, will help us find that sweet intersection of what, you know, we at our organizations want to talk, to talk about with what the world cares about, which is a really tiny place to live.
0: Okay. Well, Kimberly, thank you so much for your time. Uh, and I'm hopeful we can get you back on the podcast in the future, maybe with um, Andy Farrow. Let's um, plan on it. Who's a big, you know, good friend of the Holmes Report. And a uh, big shout out to Andy, because he's obviously played you know, a pretty important role, I think, in, in helping Mars evolve its, its attitude uh, towards purpose and its profile. Um, but, yeah, thank you very much. Thank
1: you, and double shout-out to Andy.
0: <laughs> thank
1: you for having me. Great to talk to you.
0: Great. We'll be back soon. Thank you all for listening. You've been listening to The Echo Chamber. Brought to you by The Holmes Report and produced by Marketeers sponsored by The Bullet Group, putting you in tomorrow's conversations today.